What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Respawn Point Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, and today we are going to talk about um, Stranger Things, what happened in Season 1, where we are left off, and everything you need to know for Season 2 releasing tonight. Well, tonight, as of this recording, probably tomorrow as you're listening to this. Um, we're going to talk about Stranger Things, and we're going to talk about how video games are destroying the people who make them and the stress it seems to um, the stress it seems to happen when you are a developer. Um, but first things first, thank you for listening on iTunes. If you're on SoundCloud, thank you as well. Please remember to give us a five-star rating and leave a comment, review. That definitely helps us out, helps the podcast um and helps us continue to give these episodes to you guys um also there's going to be a link in this episode where it's going to link you right to the gaming and entertainment section of amazon if you buy anything through that link that also directly supports us but without further ado stranger things is back mike will dustin Lucas, and yes, Eleven, are all back for a second helping of Stranger Things as the scary and, and sinister forces of the Upside Down seek to invade Hawkins, Indiana, um, when Season 2 hits tomorrow on Friday, October 27th. Um, if you didn't have time to re-binge this modern gem of 1980s sci-fi goodness uh, from the Duffer Brothers, Here's a rundown of where the show left off and all we currently know about what's to come in Season 2. Uh, it seems as though with the Demigorgon monster gone, a new alternate dimension terror is trying to push its way through into our reality and, and use Hawkins as its first stopping ground. So let's get down to it. Um, how Season 1 ended. The first season of Stranger Things ended with the vanquishing of the monster um, and the telekinetic hands, or at, at, the telekine- at the telekinetic hands, excuse me, of young Eleven, um, who seemingly sacrificed herself to save her friends. Um, at the end of the episode, though, during the six months later, quote-unquote, epilogue, we saw Sheriff Hopper put some Eggo waffles into a chest in the woods, uh, pretty much insinuating that Eleven may still be alive. Uh, Will Byers uh, was back home and seemingly happy, but his stretch in the Upside Down has certainly taken its toll. Uh, Specifically the part where Hopper and his mom, Joyce, had to pull a tentacle out of his throat. Uh, As of right now, though, Will is coughing up this mysterious slug type thing and and having these ominous visions uh, of the Upside Down and and keeping it all a secret. And uh, though Nancy and Will's older brother Jonathan grew close by the end of Season 1, even banding together to lure the monster into a trap, she, she was still dating Steve months later. And to be fair... Steve did turn a huge corner right at the end, uh, finding himself uh, immensely sorry for his behavior and and helping Nancy and Jonathan battle the beast. And 
he certainly bucked that uh, uh, the cowardly trend of '80s high school movie bullies, uh, which was which was good to see. Uh, still, though. Nancy held onto her fondness of Jonathan, even giving him a new camera uh, for Christmas to replace the one that Steve had broken. Stranger Things is, uh, as of right now, planned for a four-season run, so there's still time for this love triangle to play out if fans you know, find themselves heavily invested in the teen romance aspect of the show. I personally am not. Um, also, young love blossomed briefly. Uh, during a kiss between Eleven and Mike in the finale of Season 1. So what what's coming in Season 2, um, you know, in, in my opinion, it Season 2 picks up several months later, around Halloween in 1984, and will continue to uh, definitely explore the aftermath of Will's visit to the Upside Down. Will, uh, as we know, suffering from a type of you know PTSD... Uh, you know, plus the stomach slugs, continues to have four four bodying visions uh, of a new giant shadow spider monster um, that's big enough to you know fill the entire horizon. If if you've seen the trailer, um, this is a massive, you know, faceless Lovecraftian entity that that seems like it wants to consume pretty much the whole town of Hawkins. Um, the show, you know, naturally has a Dungeons and Dragons parallel name, all picked out for it. Uh, the Thessal Hydra, which is the monster the boys all face while playing the game right at the end of the season one finale. Um, has a lot to do with it. The Thessal Hydra within the game is even known to lay larvae within its prey. Some fans think that the D&D game played at the end of last season foreshadows the events that will take place in Season 2, um, maybe even hinting at why Will has slugs in his stomach. Uh, the campaign... It's... Okay, saying this, just keep an ear out for the phrases The Lost Knight and The Proud Princess. Uh, those are both D&D terms that are going to be used in that campaign. Um, so this, this shadow monster, which is what the boys call it, will serve probably serve as the single big bad um, of the season, tying together all the narratives as both Nancy and Mike uh, will be in mourning. Uh, for Barb and for um, Eleven. And then you have Hopper, who will be trying to get the town back on its feet. Um, and Joyce will um, start to date her old classmate, Bob. Uh, and, and speaking of Bob, in keeping with Stranger Things' gimmick of casting notable 80 stars, uh, Sean Astin is playing Bob, uh, again, an old geeky gla uh, classmate of Joyce's and, and Hopper's who starts seeing Joyce romantically. Another 80s face joining the season is comedian actor Paul Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser, I think you pronounce his name, 
who will play Dr. Owens, who is an employee of the Department of Energy, tasked with containing slash covering up all the fallout from the lab disaster of season one. Um, Brett Gelman will also enter the story as a journalist turned conspiracy nut named Murray Bauman, um, according to IMDb, who arrives in Hawkins to investigate a cold case. More new characters, uh, this time from the teen slash preteen set, includes Tomboy uh, Max, Max's older stepbrother Billy, and outsider Roman. Uh, it's also important to note here, though anyone who's watched the teasers, trailers, and photos for season two is probably already aware, um, but that Eleven is still alive. We see her in these trailers. Suffice to say, we'll, we'll learn about what happened to her in season two, how she was able to cross back to Hawkins from the Upside Down, and dig into her backstory a bit more, hopefully. Perhaps all of this will lead to the fan theory real reveal that um, this is a possible spoiler. Just heads up in case you want to skip ahead 10 seconds. Um, but there is a fan theory that Eleven is slash was the Demigorgon. It's unlikely, but many have discovered little moments and lines in Season 1 that seem to suggest a deeper connection between her and the monster. Uh, we also know the titles... Uh, season 2 is 9 episodes, 1 being Mad Max, then The Boy Who Came Back to Life, The Pumpkin Patch, The Palace, The Storm, The Polywog, The Secret Cabin, The Brain, and then The Lost Brother. Um, so yeah, to close out here, for those still wondering and clinging to hope, Barb will not be back. She died fast in Season 1, uh, and it wasn't a trick. But hopefully we we will see that maybe someone will look for her or someone actually cared that she she went missing. Um, so if you're looking forward to Stranger Things Season 2, tonight or tomorrow, whenever you plan on binge-watching us, let me know, tweet us out, uh, send us an email, let us know what excites you about the series, um, and if you have binge-watched it, let us know your ideas, your thoughts, and any crazy fan theories that you might have. Now on to video game news. Um, as I mentioned before, um, there's this there's this um, issue going around that people are talking about of video games destroying the people who make them. Um, and among video game developers, it's called crunch. And crunch is a sudden spike in work hours. Um, which can be as many as 20 a day, that can last for days or weeks on end. During this time, uh, you develop, these developers, they sleep at work, limit bathroom breaks, and cut out anything that pulls their attention away from their screens, including family and even food. Crunch makes the industry roll, but it's taking a serious toll on its workers. Uh, in the late, uh, probably in late 2011, um, as he was finishing up production on the role-playing game The Elder Scrolls Skyrim, uh, programmer Jean Simonet started feeling these severe stomach pains. 
Um, at first, doctors were perplexed, but on his third emergency room visit, he revealed that he had been regularly staying at the office late and coming in on weekends you know, to fix bugs and add features that he thought would take Skyrim from good to great, no matter how much sleep he lost along the way. He took his doctor's advice and took the next few days off of work, uh, trying to relax and, and acclimate to a normal sleep schedule. Um, with this hiatus from crunch, eventually the pain just disappeared, he was reported, uh, uh, saying in the New York Times. And anecdotes like these are common in the video game industry, which generated $30.4 billion in the United States last year, um, but unfortunately has a human cost that can't be calculated. Um, the, there's the designer, Clint Hawking. He, he describes suffering memory loss as a result from the stress and anxiety of crunching on a game. Brett Duville a veteran game programmer, said he once worked so long and for so hard that he found himself temporarily unable to step out of his car. Modern games like, like Mass Effect and Uncharted cost tens of millions of dollars and required the labor of hours, the labor hours of, of hundreds who can each work 80 or even 100 hour weeks. And in and, and game development, crunch is not constrained to the final two or three weeks of a project. A team might crunch at any time, and a crunch might endure for several months, um, and, and you have these programmers that will stay late on weeknights to squash bugs, artists will use weekends to put the final polish on their characters, and everyone on the team will feel pressured to work extra hours in solidarity with overworked colleagues. Uh, while researching this topic further, I found in a 2016 survey by the International Game Developers Association, 65% of developers said they had, they've had to crunch, with 52% adding that they've done it more than twice in the previous two years. And of those who said they did not crunch, 32% noted that their job did require periods of long hours, extended work hours, or extended overtime that was just not called... Um, crunch. And while many jobs are demanding, the conditions in this industry particularly are uniquely unforgiving. Um, most game developers in the United States do not receive extra compensation for extra hours, mind you. Um, they may gaze with envy at their colleagues in the film industry you know, where, where they have these unions uh, which help regulate hours and ensure overtime pay. Their income pales in comparison to what's offered in other fields with reputations for brutal hours um, like, like banking and law, for instance. And so the average the average American game developer earned $83,060 in 2013, according to uh, another survey I found online, or less than half the pay of a first-year associate at a New York law firm. So while I was doing more research and um, just kind of browsing the internet on this information, I found um, an interview with a few veteran game makers that that said 
that they they had these stories of of lost family time, relationship strains, and, and such severe burnout that they considered leaving for other industries. Uh, Co-chief co executive and co-founder of CD Projekt Red, uh, Marcin Iwinski, uh, said, people think that making games is easy. Um, he, he worked on the 2015 game The Witcher 3 and said it's hardcore work and it can destroy your life, quote, end quote. Mr. Winsky, like many other top video game creators, sees crunch as a necessary evil. He and other developers say because of the rapid evolution of video game technology, among other reasons, the time it takes to complete basic tasks can vary drastically from project to project, which makes it difficult to plan accurate schedules. And a growing fact, faction of game developers, however, argues that it's possible to make good games without crunching. Tanya X. Short, a, uh, a co-founder of the independent studio Kit Fox Games, asked colleagues to sign an online pledge against excessive overtime. This pledge was published last year and has been signed by over 500 game developers. If that doesn't speak to the crunch phenomena, then I don't know what 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 would. Miss Short is also quoted in saying, "Crunch trades short-term gains for long-term suffering," and and that's just unfortunate for someone who loves the video game industry, who has been actively in the industry. Um, having this information brought to me um, is certainly saddening. So to avoid long-term deleterious effects, game developers must commit to stop facilitating a culture in which crunch is the norm. The occasional, the occasional long night or weekend at the office can be useful and, and even exhilarating, um, but as a constant, it is certainly damaging. No video game is worth burnout, brain damage, or overnight stays at the hospital. No matter what your love for games are, none are worth those. And and those of you that may you know cover the video game industry or have an active hand in the video game industry, you can see that the current conditions are unsustainable. Too many of the people who make games have left for more lucrative, less stressful industries. I mean, why not? Too many have stayed. Too many who have stayed have suffered the physical and mental consequences. Game developers again need to insist to their bosses and most important to themselves that health comes first. So, with that, with that is that's what I'm going to say about that. That was my my. Me standing on my soapbox. Um, I took time to research that. I put all this together for you, um, for the listeners, to really understand what is happening in the industry that might be kind of behind the scenes. If you have any questions about it, if you have any thoughts or comments, tweet me. Tweet the podcast, RP Podcast Live is, is our Twitter. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Kyle, that Kyle. 
Um, but yeah, that these are just some of the issues that I, I hope to bring to light through this medium of the podcast. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate your guys' feedback. Again, don't forget to leave a review. Five stars. Give us a, um, a little comment down below if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, same thing. Again, there'll be a link down below for Amazon that directly supports the channel, that supports the podcast, that keeps us giving you content that you want. Go ahead, click that link, buy what you want. Um, that's all you got to do. No other um, strings, hidden payments or anything. Click that link, go shopping on Amazon, and that's all you got to do. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week with another episode of Respawn Point. Respawn Point.